We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I want to talk about my horses, Ruth and Cheryl. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and I will not die on this colony. Put me in a buggy and I'll die on the road. Ugh. <laughs> but only because I wanted to say I want to talk about my horses, Ruth and Cheryl. And I, I knew know. from the moment she said it in the movie, I was like, that's going to be Nick's line. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> yes. I've been, been waiting, waiting to say that for two weeks. Yes. <laughs> This man has been waiting to talk. He's <laughs> been waiting to talk about his horses, Ruth and Cheryl. Oh, but it's just perfect. She's perfect. This She's movie, perfect. The, the women, ugh. The women talking, which is indeed the movie we are here to talk about. Finally, 2022's Women Talking, Oscar nominee, Oscar winner for Best Adapted Screenplay for Empress Sarah Polly. And mm-hmm. unfortunately... Uh, not true lies. Not true lies. It's it's another um, bullets over Broadway, folks. It's yeah. This movie is impossible to find. And Sony, who doesn't know what we're talking about, that was kind of the the promise we had. We'd essentially a promise we had made to Keon. I think is what it came down to. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it was on the podcast that that if Jamie Lee Curtis wins the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress the following week, we will do True Lies and. We were both fully prepared until I then put into Google, oh, True Lies, let's see which of the seven streaming platforms I bet it's on. And it was on none of them. It was it was no one, nowhere, all at once. I could not find it. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking off mic right before we recorded, too, that they the, the TV show True Lies is out. So you feel like it would be good synergy to have that on some sort of platform, like even like paramount plus or whatever i feel like it's a cbs show you know what i mean yeah, i don't know is. what channel it's on but keon owns the dvd so maybe i'll watch it and i'll mail it to you or something yeah or um, I'll, I'll buy it on ebay i suppose that might even be just as easy but there we go yeah and i was like doing some research on it and someone on reddit was like oh there's some reason why it's like not really available and i was like oh this is too much film bro talk like not enough jamie yeah. lee curtis yeah. talk for me yeah so it'll happen. It'll happen sometime, folks, but not this week. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe it'll be good to just like let Jamie rest, you know, let her let her and her dog Rooney just like hang out and, you know, uh be on their own and we talk about a movie that I think for much of last year was kind of on our radar. It's like, okay, well, as soon as we get a chance to talk about women talking, we got to talk about women talking. Yeah, we put it off for a while and I knew it was going to be a little bit of a heavy movie, but um I, the only thing missing from this movie is Anne Dowd. I'm like convinced. Wouldn't she oh be perfect? God. It's too. Oh. It would be too on the nose almost. But I would love to see it. 
she, I mean, certainly like in the Judith Ivy role, for example, yes. I think that Anne Dowd, I mean, she, yeah, she would have been incredible in this, but luckily everyone else is incredible in this. And this, this I mean, I watched this last night. You had watched it a few weeks ago uh, because we were going to do this a few weeks ago. And then like last minute was like, oh, wait a minute. What if we did everything ever all at once, just in case it wins a bunch of Oscars right before the Oscars. And then it did. Yeah. But I, I watched this last night and I, I, I was just like, oh, it was, it was, I was just like, oh, this fucking movie, this fucking movie. That's I I just so fucking good. It's like eating the most like delicious chocolate cake you could ever imagine. I, just the words, it, it feels like Shakespeare. It is so beautifully written and and that was like my takeaway even before we did this episode is like this should win i didn't know if it was original it is adapted from a book but it is so gorgeous and so i don't it, it's just like i just want to bathe myself in this text and just like uh marinate in it oh yeah i mean th- i think that is what stands out i mean everything about this is so well made but the it is one of those movies where you hear the writing and you really like it's it's such an appreciation for good writing and like great dialogue and even you know the narration because sometimes narration in a movie can be like oh girl you or anybody like ugh you know you couldn't just tell the story visually but in this it was it added so much context and so much just like so much more great writing basically yeah, I mean, I, I will probably lean on you. I didn't get a chance to rewatch. I had planned on it, and I, I didn't. So there's some stuff that's going to be a little foggy for me. But I, I took decent notes the first time I watched it, so I, I feel like we'll be okay. But I I think most of all, too, this mo- th- there were parts where I, I wasn't following in a way. And maybe I was a little stoned when I watched it the first time, but I, I just a little, you know. Hmm. Um, but it, it added so much because... I didn't really know what these women were going to be talking about or what the story would be. So why don't why, I guess this is the perfect little I'll, I'll toss it over you to you, Colin. What is this movie about for our listeners? Yeah. So this is about uh, I mean, they don't really define where they are or what mm-hmm. exactly like what religion they are. But there is there. They're Mennonite ish. It's a Mennonite ish community. We know that it's set in 2010, but could as just as easily be 1910. And uh, it's about this, this, you know, the women in this community who were uh, repeatedly suffering, you know, sexual assaults by the men in the community. Um, and uh, they're being drugged. They're being drugged with cow tranquilizer yes. and then being violently raped and left bleeding. And then they wake up and it's like, oh, you know, must have been Satan, you know. And so it's like not only is it the, you know. Uh, the fact that they're being violated, but then they're being gaslit about it. And so, um, and, it, and you know, I, the movie is really smart in that we're not watching a bunch of rape scenes. We're not mm-hmm. watching, like, there's none of that. We actually don't really see any of the men except for Best Supporting August. Ugh, Prince August. Prince August. And I know this is really a movie about women, but it's the year of the men. And August is a sweetie dotty. Oh, what a goose. And I only know him from like, I think he was in the new Mary Poppins movie. And that's like my only frame of reference for this man. Yeah, Ben Wishaw. I, I don't know him at all. He's, he's, I mean, he's one of those people you look at and it's like, I, 
I don't need to hear your voice to know that you are British. Like, this is a British face, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just, it's so, like, he's someone who could exist in, like, <laughs> the 17th century and would still look, you know, would look appropriate, you know? Um, yes. Very Norman Bates qualities there. Ooh, that's a really good call. Yeah, He's very but it's Anthony gentle. Perkins. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so is Norman in a way, but not so yeah. much. Um, yeah, in the first 40 minutes of the movie, Norman. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but indeed, so the he's really the only man that we see or who has any dialogue in the movie whatsoever because it is indeed a, a movie about women talking. Uh, as it goes, the, uh, the men, one of the men is caught and uh, ends up, uh, you know, ratting out the other ones and then... They are, uh, I guess, taken to jail in town, and the uh, all of the men then go into town to post bail. And so, the women of the community, they at first have a vote of like, you know, what do we do about this? Do we, do we do nothing? Do we stay and fight, or do we leave the community? And ultimately, a a small group of women are elected to make the decision for the rest of the women in the community. And so, it's basically like. It's over like a very short period of time. It's a very small movie in some ways where it's really one afternoon and one night of uh, this handful of women in the community meeting in a barn and just talking about what should we do and what would it mean to leave and what would it mean to stay. And uh, August, who's the uh, he's the the teacher in the community, and he's, you know, it, 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 it interest like I think his family had been excommunicated excommunicated from the community i think his mother was uh kind of questioned some of the 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 morals and the values and the and the beliefs of the community but he was away at school and so he it it, there's there's a couple characters he and then uh this there's a a a trans man uh named melvin um but he uh august is there to uh take the notes of the meeting because of course the women don't know how to read or write and so he needs to kind of be the record keeper and uh, and and really, the movie plays out as if it was a play. It really could absolutely be adapted as a stage play where the conversation is very simple. Do we stay or do we go? And what are the pros and what are the cons? And um, the women of the community, uh, it is a, a fabulous cast of women. We have... Mm-hmm. Claire Foy as uh, and I'm gonna bu- I'm gonna butcher most of these names, but uh, Salome, yeah, yeah. Salome. I wrote phonetically, yeah, Salome, because it looks like Salome. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think they pronounce it Salome, but oh uh, really? Oh, uh, yes, okay. or it's Salome. And either way, uh, Claire Foy is in it. Yeah, Claire. Uh, Claire Foy, who I had not really seen in many other things. I know she was in The Crown, but mm-hmm. I didn't watch those seasons of The Crown. Neither did I. I think I watched like a, the pilot and maybe the second episode. But, you know, I know she's great. She picked up at least one Emmy from that show, but she's great in this. Yeah, she has a very um, uh, Sarah Paulson quality. Like I could have seen Sarah Paulson Ooh, playing this yes. role. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and she, I mean, I, I, I love her because she's the character who like attacks one of the men in the barn like she and that was a big clip in the in the trailer is her hacking open the barn door with that like yes that that tool and then scythe or something whatever like but it's like a sickle yeah i don't know yeah she got a sickle and she and you don't and it's like oh that i would have wanted to see is her really getting that sickle into that guy um but so there's salome or salome if you will there's rooney mara who plays ona who is uh a, a very you know has has kind of a 
sort of pure of heart, kind of loves everyone, very sweet energy. She's pregnant with the child of her attacker. And there is kind of a, a burgeoning love story between her and August. I do love that. It's very gentle. Oh, it's so beautiful. And then uh, my lost daughters, Jesse Buckley as Mary, uh, Mary Kay, Mary Kay, uh, butchered it again, but she is just seething. I mean, she and Salome are just like, their performance of like rage in this is just so cathartic. They're so fucking pissed off and it feels so good. Yeah, I I really feel like I turned a corner with Jesse Buckley. I just, I think like her... I mean, her Claire Foy and Rooney Mara, I feel like, in different ways, are just, like, nailing it. <laughs> it's just yeah. so fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, they they each are playing really interesting levels of emotions. And, yeah. Um, but we, we do see, in particular, with uh, Marie Kay and Salome, just... And I and I pulled some clips, so not to worry if you're a bit oh, fuzzy. Good. I pulled some clips for us to respond to. Um, but they are really... I mean, like... In some ways, it's like they also feel like two women who it's like I don't think this this community of women would ever end up kind of in a in a for lack of a better term, a more traditional modern quote unquote community. But I feel like they have this energy of two women who are their energy is bigger than the kind of like obeying this Mennonite ish kind of uh, tradition. You know what I mean? Like they feel more. I don't know. They've just got more chutzpah to them, I guess, you know? Yeah, even though they've only been in within that group, I guess. It it feels like they've been out and about. It feels like they, <clears throat> excuse me, have been educated in a way, you know, at least their ideals and what they, you know, and I feel like their rage and their anger feels that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like, uh, yeah, it feels like a liberated anger, I think is, is yeah. kind of how it felt. And and uh, I don't think we've ever really talked about her on the podcast before. But then there is one of the you know elders of the community, Judith Ivy, playing a Ageta, Agita, you know, A G E T A. What do you guys think? Uh, and <laughs> I fucking love this character. Same. Oh, she is just like she is such like she's she has that kind of like powerful religious matriarch energy but there's also something about her that is almost like hippy dippy mama i can't explain it but there's just this like i don't know like i could just see her in a flower dress kind of just like making a flower crown you know yeah exactly it's like some i think it's important to know too if anyone is kind of on the fence of watching this too that there is a good i don't want to say a good bit but there is a bit of humor because i feel like if it was just what it is it would be so much heavier and i feel a lot of it is led by uh judith ivy's character at least in my memory i just feel like like watching her laugh just really kind of helped me through this movie oh yeah i've got a clip of that because that okay. is a that's an interest that's an important point is that there there is indeed also women laughing in this yes yes uh and uh, there's uh, michelle mcleod who plays Mihal, Mejal, Mihal, I don't know. The, yeah. Mayol. She has little red energy from Into the Woods. Yeah. yeah. I feel like she could play little red. Absolutely. Yeah. And she was, you know, she's an interesting one where, again, similar to Marie Kay and Salome, where like her smoking the cigarette, there's just this like element of like, oh, you're, you're not like, I don't know. I, I see the modern woman in you, you know? Yes. The rebel. Yeah, there's a there's a real rebellious energy to her, mm -hmm. and um and then of course another matriarch of the community, 
Our very own Sheila McCarthy playing Greta. I mean, I love her. I love her. I I'll I will say this, you know, sixteen minutes into the episode, hands down, my favorite performance in this movie. Honestly, hands yes. Down. Yeah. I, I mean, I gave her my BSA the week the week that I watched this too. It is. She's exceptional, and she has so much to play with, and she's so good. She breaks your heart. I mean, so much. I have so many notes about her, but yes, I'm so glad you're in agreement. I mean, I think it's, it is important that we have this on the soundboard. I want to talk about my horses, Ruth and Cheryl. I think it's important to remember, in and out of context, the time that Sher- Sheila McCarthy wanted to talk about her horses, Ruth and Cheryl. Ruth and Cheryl, I, my heart swells for Ruth and Cheryl. I was so worried about them. I needed to Google does Ruth and does the Ruth and Cheryl die in this movie? Yes, dot com. Yeah, um, but she is. I mean, it, it it's and for anyone who doesn't know, we we really swooned over Sheila McCarthy first in the movie Stepping Out with Liza Minnelli. Yes. And then in House Arrest with Oscar winner Jamie Lee Curtis. Gwenna Krupp, homemaker. Homemaker. And, you know, in both of those performances, I saw, like, in all three of these performances, I saw the Sheila. You know, like, yep, I saw yep, what yep. this woman can do. She is just heartbreaking. Uh, and she plays, she is Salome's mother. I believe. Yeah, she's Salome's mother. Yes. Um. Oh, gosh, she's so good. I I do have a question, and I don't know if if you know the answer. Or if I was just I couldn't piece it together. What what's wrong with her teeth? Does she have false teeth? Because they're like they're too big for her mouth, and her mouth was bleeding. I was like, somebody help this woman. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I assume it might just be some matter of like you know the the level of you know oral health in a community like sure. this might not be great and so yeah she has the, she, we we see her taking her dentures out at one point and then a little bit later in the movie i think maybe it's um marie k who sees her taking them out again and she has this heartbreaking moment where she says i'm sorry they're too big for my mouth or <sighs> you know and it's just oh like she doesn't waste a fucking moment and i really like she gave me the biggest BSA vibes where I was like, oh, the, the whistle tones are just ringing like crazy. Every line delivery with her. Yeah, there's just like, I, I think even, I mean, you see a little bit, honestly, in like house arrest when like she's she's not like the mediator by any means too, but like she does have that ability to kind of, I don't want to say play both sides because every woman in this room and this barn has different levels of thought of like, you know, it's, an, but that's what makes it so interesting too, because some people are adamant about like, I want to leave. And some people are adamant about, I want to stay. And I feel like she lies somewhere. She, I feel like she wants to leave, but I mm-hmm. think she also wants to talk it out in a way that, I mean, that's what the whole movie is about. Like people coming together to talk about something that is going to benefit the group, but in a way where everyone sort of wins and hearing both sides of it in a very organized and respectful way, even though there are like explosive moments, which are needed in conversations like this, it still is really fascinating to see the outcome. And, and thankfully, you know, it's, it's the right choice at the end. 
Well, and I think, you know, the, the whole concept of Ruth and Cheryl and the horses, like why she brings them up is because it's like she and she has, like, you know, this great speech about how, you know, when when she's out, you know, taking Ruth and Cheryl out for a ride and they come across like an angry dog, the horses flee. And uh, and she basically is saying like, and, and maybe we need to act more like these horses. And, you know, I think yeah. Salome or Marike is like, yeah, but, you know, we're not you know, we're not animals. And, and she has Greta's this great line of like, well, we've been treated like animals. Perhaps we should react like animals. And yes. it's, it's really, and it, it's, there's something about that that I thought was so powerful to like, it was not because they're saying like, oh, you're talking about fleeing, like you're talking about just like running like scared animals. But I think the power of what she's saying is like, we've been treated like animals. So like, maybe we need to just get into survival mode here. And I, I thought that was a really, powerful reflection especially from a woman who has probably endured all sorts of uh you know just you know levels of of not being treated like a full human being in different ways over her life you know yeah i that sort of fight or flight is sort of juxtaposed with the whole idea of like faith and of course it's a part of this conversation too but like one of my favorite mo i mean amongst like 15 other moments of sheila mccarthy in this movie is like how she says, like, leaving is how we demonstrate our faith. We're leaving because our faith is stronger than the rules. And it's like, it's the writing, but it's also the delivery. It's like this woman is so, everyone is so well-spoken. It's like, again, it's like, it feels like they're educated, but the, it, it's just like their experiences and their bond as women in this group is sort of like shaped the way that they are uh, having this discussion, I guess, too. It's It's so beautiful. Yeah, and and she has, I mean, you know, she. I have a clip of her, but it's later into the movie, so it's a little bit out of out of context. But um, she does have this like beautiful moment that I guess we could while we're singing Sheila Sheila's praises here. Yeah. She does have this beautiful moment of her, and it's kind of what we're talking about. So maybe this is a perfect time where she she is. There's a, a an argument between Marie Kay and Salome about, you know, like. Marie Kay wants to, you know, Salome. I'm like, I, Claire Foy and yeah, and Jesse. I think the actresses would be better too. Yeah, yeah. I'm see, the thing is, it too. Yeah, yeah, Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley are a bit of a Bryce Dallas Howard, Jessica Chastain for me. I, yeah. I, I can't quite tell the difference. And Rooney Mara sometimes throws a, a, a spanner in the works as well. But I think, yeah, uh, Jesse Buckley has a moment of being like, well, I, you know, we need to stay and fight. And and Rooney Mara, Ona says like, well, don't you mean stay and not fight? Because you, I mean, you certainly have never stood up to your abusive husband and you haven't taught your sons how to not be like this. So staying just means giving in. And that turns into a big fight and, you know, a larger context of like, I, I didn't have a choice. Like this wasn't me yeah. deciding to not fight back against my husband. And then Greta has this great moment where like really kind of speaking to the the way that this has been a tradition passed down as her mother to her daughter of like how to deal with these situations. And it's a it's an Oscar real moment for Sheila McCarthy here. I'm also sorry, Marike. I didn't try to protect you or your children from Klaus. And what you say is true, you had no choice. You forgave him again again as you were told to as I told you to I'm sorry I'm sorry 
sorry. That first I'm sorry, it's very hard, maybe hard to hear it, but that first I'm sorry is like she barely gets it out. And it, it's, I mean, that moment I was like, God, this woman is like, this This would be, I wanted to see her on the Oscar shortlist or the long list for this, you know? Oh God, I like almost passed out when she said, I'm sorry. The first, I was like this, that's exactly the moment I was hoping you would choose to. It's so, it's such a great choice as an actress to just like, as opposed to just being like so firmly uh, like in that apology to like she, her emotions get the best of her first. And she says it three times too. And it kind of grows each time. It is so beautiful. It, I, it is. It's so good. I, she, I, there's a, there's a moment I think earlier and I think I meant to clip it. And then I don't know if I did, I don't know what I did, but in any event, uh, when she is talking about, you know, leaving and, and, you know, uh, and I think it's Jesse Buckley who's like, you know, we're not going to just flee. And I think, you know, Ona's like, well, she's not talking about fleeing. She's talking about leaving. And I think there's this moment where yeah. Greta is getting talked over. She's like, well, no, I, I wasn't saying, I, I wasn't saying to flee. Like it's a very Gwenna Crump moment uh, yes. where it's just this like little moment in, in, in the midst of the fight that I, I just, I just love it. I just love her in this. It really, I mean, uh, uh, this this is just, uh, this is going to get spoken about at the Westons. She's so fucking good in this. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot. I feel like the only person I really did hear about in this movie that was being like pushed towards the forefront was Claire Foy. But it, it, mm. it this is like a, definitely not the same movie, but it feels like something like Steel Magnolias where like every woman is giving something different and exceptionally great and it, it almost like it all cancels each other out which i hate right it's like you know how can you choose one when like it really is such an ensemble and that like yeah there's scenes where like you know all of them are in it everyone's a part of it and no one really has one role bigger than the other i mean i would say the one exception was i didn't realize how much frank mcdormand was just a cameo and <laughs> yes we need to talk about her because it's she's just I don't even know this like crotchety old woman who is definitely not going to leave from that. We know this from no. the beginning. Yeah. I mean, that's the interesting thing is like, she'll end up being the one woman who stays. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll say this, we only see, we, we basically see her in kind of the first, you know, couple scenes and she votes and, you know, there's a bit of, bit of chit chat and then she goes home and we don't really see her much until like towards the end. Mm -hmm. And, when each of the women are voting and she kind of does this very broad, like X, X you know, w with the pen, like a, drawing an X under whatever vote hers is, I guess, to stay. It was so, what it made me think was Frances McDormand is a great actress, but sometimes I can see her making every single acting choice. Sure. I, I agree. I think that I've only seen Fargo once and it was, I, 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 at this point, I feel like it had to have been over like 15 years ago. And I remember being like, oh, she won Best Actress for this. And I would love to go back and rewatch it now because she has three leading Oscars. Like that, that's, that's more, well, no, her and Meryl are tied, I guess. But Meryl has that supporting Oscar. So, you know, there are three Oscars regardless. But I'm interested in that idea too because she is so much of like the everyday woman that she it can easily be seen through the lens of like, is she really great or do we just think she's really great? And maybe that's a different idea than mm -hmm. what you're saying. I don't know if I'm on, on track. 
I think it's under the same umbrella of like, is it's kind of, I mean, I think it's similar to like Patty Lapone. Yeah. Is Patty Lapone great or is Patty Lapone just being Patty Lapone? You know? And I think Frances McDormand, it's just like, I, I, she doesn't really disappear into roles for me or she didn't in this at all. Sure. I, I very much saw her, uh, I don't know, just, just being like Frank McDormand at the Oscars, the only one wearing a mask. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just what was, what was the, the, the speech, the rider? What was it that she was talking about? Inclusion rider. Is that what she said? <laughs> I have two words for you. Inclusion rider. She had like a jean jacket on or something. I, I don't just know. can't believe you pulled that out. I, Inclusion I... rider. <laughs> That's my drag name. Please welcome to the stage. Inclusion rider. <laughs> yes. I kind of like it. Uh, I love it. I love that. Um, but anyway, she is, she's an executive producer on this. So maybe she was just like, you know, popping in for a small role, but she, for as much as she's featured in the trailer and as much as her, as her grimacing face was looming over Sarah Polly while she accepted the Oscar on that screen behind her, Frank is in this less than Beatrice Strait is a network. Yeah. Like yeah. none, like at all. It was I. I was really quite surprised by that. Yeah, but honestly, I was also relieved because I didn't want her dominating the room. There was this part of me that was like, no, I want women like Judith Ivy to command yes. the conversation. You know. Yep. Uh, which brings us to, I mean, if you if you would, and uh, you know, indulge me, uh, a wonderful Judith Ivy monologue. Oh, that I, I, I is I mean the the fucking writing and the acting and the directing and the everything. Um, but this moment I I really love, and it and it leads into something else that I think you know we we highlighted a bit earlier. We could ask the men to leave. Ask the men to leave. None of us have ever asked the men for anything, not a single thing. Not even for the salt to be passed. Not even for a penny or a moment alone. Or to take the washing in, or to open a curtain, or to go easy on the small yearlings, or to put your hand on the small of my back while I try again for the twelfth or thirteenth time to push a baby out of my body. Isn't it interesting that the one and only request we women would have of the men would be for them to leave? <laughs> Asking the men to leave is not an option. <laughs> oh. oh, there's so much there. Uh, yeah. But and it's unexpected that laugh. I did. It's just like such a beautiful moment. Yeah, yeah. You don't expect anyone to laugh in this movie. It is. It is just. You know. It is not called women laughing, but I. That speech is the writing on that is my favorite. What mm -hmm. I, the moment I would like rewatch over and over is like you know ask to put his hand on the small of my back yes. while I try once more to for the twelfth or thirteenth time to push a baby out of me. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yep. She's seen some oh. shit. Yeah. I just, th there is, that is such, that little speech is such incredible writing. I, I, oh my God. 
But yeah. what that leads to is indeed there is a lot of women laughing. And I took another clip like right after this where it just continues that I thought was worth our time as well. Please. I'd like you to imagine Ruth and Cheryl. No, no, not again. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> Lilith August is still taking the minutes. Lilith oh. <laughs> August is still taking the minutes. Sometimes I think people laugh as hard as they'd like to cry. I guess you must think we're all lunatics. I don't. I I just love the way that Claire Foy is like, August is still taking the minutes. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. (laughs) Yes. There's something about that, that specific, like, group laughter that feels so, um, like specific to a group of women that just understand what it's no what it's like to be a woman. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the type of laughter I would hear like after Thanksgiving dinner when all my aunts and my grandma are like doing the dishes together. You know what I mean? Whatever whatever it's about, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. this understood sort of, you know, and they kind of build off each other and like you know, men can have this too, but like it just feels cathartic in a way, especially in this movie because we need it. Yeah, and I think that there is, there's that sort of, that silent understanding, like, of, and especially with that first part of them laughing about asking the men to leave, there is like that, they understand that, like, the depths of how, almost how sad it is that they can't do that, and it's so ridiculous that it's funny, and I think that idea of, like, laughing instead of crying, I mean... It certainly goes back to that Steel Magnolia scene in the in the cemetery, yeah. you know, where it's like sometimes the grief is is so insane that it just like loops into like a whole new emotion because it's the only way to get it out, you know. Yeah, and it's a more interesting way to approach like, you know, acting. It's like to do the opposite when you're like we just said too, like laughing through tears or like smiling through something that's so painful because that's all you really can do it makes for a more interesting scene rather than just like wallowing in like because if you go too far into that and you if you swim down far enough it's like you're never you're never going to get out yeah right and and i think that's like i've certainly seen this you know at uh, i mean an irish funeral is a great example there's there's lots of laughter at an you know certainly my grandparents funerals i mean aren't the you know um and the and the luncheons afterwards like it just yeah. that was the be- that was the only way to kind of process the emotions but also to kind of i, I think in the same way cuz there is something about this that is almost like a funeral they're almost kind of giving a eulogy to their past lives and yeah. making the decision to leave and i feel like it's i just i don't know i just get that idea of like it, it's it's totally appropriate to laugh in situations like this i think it's very healthy agreed uh well uh i i, I another if you know if we want to just talk about another clip well because i've got these clips yes. uh but i feel like this is this is there's no laughing in this scene but this i think is like if claire foy were to be getting the recognition or potentially an Oscar nomination. I think it's for this speech. Uh, This, I mean, it's just a perfect example of like the rage that she's carrying. And there's a part of me that's just like everything she's saying. I'm like, yep, yep. uh, Yep. This is all valid. I agree with everything she's saying. Uh, Yes. But here's this moment. We do not need to be forgiven by the men of God. 
for protecting our children from the depraved actions of vicious men who were often the very same men were meant to ask for forgiveness. If God is a loving God, then he will forgive us himself. If God is a vengeful God, then he has created us in his image. If God is omnipotent, then why has he not protected the women and girls of this colony? I will destroy any living thing that harms my child. I will tear it limb from limb. I will desecrate its body and I will bury it alive. I will challenge God on the spot to strike me dead if I have sinned by protecting my child from evil and by destroying that evil that it may not harm another. I will lie. I Hunt, I will kill. I will dance on graves and I will burn forever in hell before I allow another man to satisfy his violent urges with the body of my four-year-old child. I will mm. hunt the way that she says that. It's it's so she takes her time with it too, because I you know, a a lesser actress would just kind of like plow through it, but like she really thinks about what she's gonna say and how she's gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you, you feel that of like, yeah. in that level of rage of like, I, like, this is as, this is how far I will go. And I'm not kidding. Like, I, I, I just like, I can't say that I'm, you know, in a place where I need to feel this level of rage, but like that idea of like, I am so committed to like, I don't know the justice or I'm so committed to uh, avenging the hurt that I feel, or I have no choice in the matter. I am like, this is just what's going to happen and you're just going to have to deal with it. God, I, I, it was so beautifully expressed and in a way that never got over the top. And I, I think the, the climax of that, of her, you know, I don't know. She's speaking in such kind of artful, poetic ways about this, but I think to bring it to that reality of like, ending it on literally saying the body of my four-year-old child like it i thought that was the perfect punctuation where it's like no let's just also be abundantly clear what i'm talking about here you know yeah it's a tough act to follow i feel like she that argument alone is enough for them to leave and you're right it's like you can feel her want like it's like the bot the bot the pot is almost boiling over it's like the lid is sort of quivering a little bit too but it it, it, the lid never blows off um but Mm. it's she still is able to get she's still able to achieve the lid blowing off if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah like the threat of the lid blowing off is is ever present if she stays in this community yeah and and this is really i think what because they i I think the, the conclusion they really come to is there's no pro to staying. Like yeah. there's no and and they've kind of been dancing around this for the entire conversation, but I think this I mean, because there's so much about faith and so much about like, you know, and, and I think this movie does a great job of even if you have no sense of faith or religion in your life whatsoever, like there's a justification of like you understand how they live their lives. And um and what's so interesting here is I think like this kind of puts the 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 seal on it because then Judith Ivy's character is like staying will make you a murderer. Like there's no one questioning her, by the way, there's no yeah. one saying, Oh, I mean, come on, let's be rational here. Like murder is a sin. It's more of like, yeah, if we, we stay, that's going to happen. And 
you know, and even Jesse Buckley is like, well, you know, we're not all murderers and Bruni Mara's character is like, well, not yet. And I, I love that yeah. that's there and there's never a, a punishment among them for considering like, no, I will kill one of these men eventually. And like, that is what goes against their religion is like, we are pacifists. We do not fight. And so if staying will make you a murderer, then we have to go because that yes. that's the only way to honor our faith. I, that was such a fascinating conclusion of like, right. It's not that she needs to suppress this. It's that this is the reality that these men have put them in. And so they need to leave for their best interest and for the, and for truly to be practicing their faith. This is what faith is really about is, is honoring their pain. You know, it's, it's so good. It's like, this is a movie that I would love to go back and watch again to pick up on. I mean, all of these monologues are so great. It's like such great lip syncs. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just going to put on like a Judith Ivy, uh, get up and, you know, to TikTok. Um, and six people (laughs) will like, but those six people will get it. (laughs) That's Um, all that matters. Yes. But, and the other thing too, is like something we already kind of talked about a little bit too, is like these, these women don't have anything except themselves and their like belongings, what little belongings they have to, they can't write, write, they can't read. It, it, it almost, you know, it's, if we were to set this in like a modern day, like even just like a, an abusive marriage or relationship where someone wants to leave, but can't, they can't imagine themselves leaving because they have nothing. They have nowhere to go. This feels like an even bigger leap, but they do have each other, which is also so beautiful because these women will take care of each other. And, you know, when they do, eventually leave at the end spoiler i mean i I feel like we're leading up to that point anyway it's yeah you feel even though they might not be equipped for the modern world that they're they're gonna be just fine because they're women and they get shit done yeah i mean because that is we have no idea that it's like so are they gonna just build a new community somewhere are they capable of that i mean were the men the ones who are building the homes but but there's also that sense of like you know, as, as Rooney Mara's character says, like, home is with my mother and my sisters and my unborn child and everything else we'll figure out. But that's what home is. And, you know, I there there is that feeling of like, yeah, but even if they've never built a house before, I think they're going to figure it out. I think Judith Ivy knows how to build a house. <laughs> Yeah, right. I I feel like it's even demonstrated with the whole um, like finding like uh, north, south, east, west, like just like it's you can see it sort of spread throughout all the women like one person Mm -hmm. shows someone and then a couple other people and you know Rooney Mara just goes she leads the charge and I feel like that's how that trickle down effect would work with anything like here's here's what Home Depot is so we can buy wood. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like right, right. They're gonna be fine. Yeah, and it, and it really, I mean, I, it. this is a, we talked a little bit, I guess, maybe last week about the movie She Said. I think we talked about that in the after show. Yes, we were talking yes. about in America and Samantha Morton. Um, but this is, I mean, it's such an interesting double feature with She Said because it's, it is it is such a modern version of this. I mean, She Said, Women Talking, it's literally like similar titles, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's the same idea of like, women coming to a conclusion about something women speaking up and women coming to a decision and it being a difficult decision it's like you know in in she said it's like do we publish the story about harvey weinstein do we crack this open Mm -hmm. and you know and that movie is is good not as not as impactful impactful for me as women talking but i think 
the comparisons are really interesting because this again this could this could be taking place you know in in any decade in in some ways and she said it's so completely set in a very specific period of time in a very modern setting um but i i think in some ways you know and both are essentially based on true stories of course but like i at the end of she said i mean it's like the, the story gets published and you know that kind of really starts and really kind of explodes this this she uh, she said this uh me too movement mm -hmm. and and of course we kind of have been living through that reality and so we know what that looks like and what that feels like but i think with women talking that the the end is them just leaving the community in in a in a big parade of of buggies and you know horses and kids and and I can't tell you how happy I was that Frank McDormand's kids left with oh, them. Gosh, it was just like such a relief, especially both of them. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the older sister took the younger sister and the younger sister had some sort of disability or, you know, I, I feel like she was like almost blind in a way or something. But, you know, I think so. Yeah. yeah. She's going to. She, oh, gosh, that was such a relief. Yeah, because we see, you know, them. They, I think they're they can hear the women singing in the barn, which is a beautiful moment of them all singing. Yes, and you know, Frank and her kids are outside on the porch, and I and the daughters are kind of wanting to join, and you know, she kind of ushers them, you know, stops them and ushers them back into the house. And I thought, well, I guess that is the sad reality: is that you know, some women like you know Frank's character stay because of you know whatever. Uh, tradition they've grown up with and their their daughters are kind of caught under that umbrella but i just i i loved like oh yes get the fuck out of there you know like it just it was it was sort of like when you think the dog's gonna die in a movie and then it's then all, all of a sudden you hear arf, arf, you know yeah you know shadow comes over the hill is it shadow <laughs> and uh, homeward bounds yeah yeah, yeah exactly uh, that moment yes that was what that moment was yeah <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit about Rooney Mara too. I know we we sort of talk, you know, sort of tiptoed and talked about some scenes that she was into, but one of my favorite lines of her, of hers, and I, of course this is the writing too, but it's it's when her and August are at that water pump, and he mm -hmm. he apologizes. He says, "I'm sorry, Ona," and she's like, "One day I wish to hear that from someone who should be saying it," and I just thought that was just like, <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, yeah." Yeah, but Ona it's true. Has some, yeah, she has some really beautiful moments in this movie. She has like any time she gives that tight little smile to like August, my heart just melts. It's such a beautiful energy, and and I thought, oh, can't August come with you? I know, but, you know. But I also I understand. Like, there they also. I mean, this is the other thing. The movie does make a very interesting point. There's this very kind of brief section. It's kind of August's little monologue about, you know, because uh, they're trying to figure out what age of the boys you know, should of the children should be brought with them and specifically the boys. And, mm -hmm. and the question comes up of like, you know, these boys who are 13 or 14, you know, are they a threat to the girls? And he has the speech. He's like, yeah, yeah, they could be. And, and, but also talks about just the complexity of boys that age. And I don't know if you notice this, but when they're showing those clips of the boys playing, there's definitely one who's kind of feminine and kind of fey. And you see the other boys kind of looking at him. And there's like this kind of suggestion yes. that like, there's this, there's there's things about these boys that they don't understand about themselves yet, you know, um, and I love that. I love like the the idea that like yes, in this community there's a trans man. Yes, in this community there can be you know gay people. Like I and that they that does exist. That exists everywhere, and and that there's complexity even among the boys, and that with the right kind of teacher and with the right kind of influence in their lives, and and 
you know, I think he has that speech about like educating with with sympathy and with compassion and not yeah. with, you know, and not in the traditional masculine ways that men are like, that is the way, like that is the true way to educate a man and educate a boy. And, and so like, it's sad certainly that August and Ona can't be together, but it's also so important that August stays in that community. Yes. They need him. He is, he's the Shelly Pfeiffer really, you know, I just feel yeah. like he, he needs to be able to teach the kids what masculinity actually is or could potentially be and to, to break that cycle. And he's the only yeah, one. He's, he's a very interesting example of a man in this movie and that he is, uh, he's certainly a gentler energy. He's very educated. He's, um, you know, he, he, I, I don't, I don't think he's, it's like, it'd be very easy to just make August. I don't know more of a milk toast you know what i mean and i didn't really get that feeling from him that he was uh like one of the softer men i just felt like in his own way and not and that he wasn't also like a more evolved man he just i think he's just very sensitive and and i i, I loved i mean again i know this is a movie all about women but some of the moments that made me kind of feel the most was towards the ends like when when judith ivy says to him like thank you and we're so proud of you and your mother Ugh. would be so proud of you and he starts crying and it's just i don't know like i, I guess what i'm trying to say is I don't, I don't feel like i've seen a man a male character like this before that doesn't feel like one stereotype or another you know yep i agree i think it's he's the perfect blend of like the teacher that I wish I had at some point in my life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Cause it's, I don't know. I never really was drawn. I, I, I feel like it wasn't until fifth grade that I had my first male teacher. What about you? Oh yeah. I, I don't think I had a single male teacher till high school. They were all women. Wow. Yeah. You said um, high school? Yeah. I think wow, there was one okay. teacher that maybe we had as a substitute every once in a while. And then maybe sure. he ended up being, being a teacher but no i didn't have any male teachers till freshman year of high school yeah that's that's like a pretty long streak yeah i i remember his name was mr rodabaugh was my fifth grade teacher and like i don't think he knew what to do with me because like mm. i was you know by that point you know fifth grade how old are you in fifth grade like 11 or something like that like yeah it's yeah. like this sensitive young boy who just cried all the time like I hated being yelled at even if I wasn't being yelled at even if I was just being corrected about something it felt like yelling and I mm -hmm. would just immediately cry and my mom was like very heavily involved in like PTA and everything so he would like sometimes I remember very specifically my mom picked me up from school one day and I don't really remember the circumstances I think she just picked me up uh, instead of me taking the bus and she said Mr. Rodebaugh said that you cried today in class because of whatever reason and I was so embarrassed because I just mm -hmm. never thought that he would say that to my mom I felt like he ratted me out in a way where I feel like if I had um, August as a teacher that he would you know, say like, it's okay. Let's talk about why you're upset, you know, and just kind mm -hmm. of dig into that a little bit more so I can understand what, where my emotions were coming from. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does bring up that like, you know, and, and they do make this point that like, you know, I think Ona talking about her unborn child, who's like as pure as the man who attacked her when, you know, when he was born that like, these boys learn this shit. They learn this behavior. And, and there are also little boys like you in fifth grade. I was like this, you know, uh, certainly, you know, 
since like kindergarten of like, yeah, just clearly a more sensitive child. And they, you know, we may not, you know, be on the path to being these like, you know, testosterone fueled egomaniacs, but like all different types of boys need different types of guidance. And, and I feel like that, yeah, I don't know. I, I get what you're talking about where it's like, uh, and I and I think the added level of it being a man, like I think when you're yeah. a sensitive little boy, it's like one thing for like the nice, you know, sweet old lady teacher to, you know, I don't know, to comfort you. But it's another thing for like a man. I don't. It, it feels different for, for that. Like it's a different energy. Yeah, it would have. I think it's it would have given me more confidence, I guess, because I clearly didn't have it, I guess. Or I, I don't know how you would you know, psychoanalyze my behavior of like being not like, especially if it coming from a man too, you know what I mean? Like if someone yelled at me, like anytime my dad yelled at me, I was like, Ugh. Um, mm. but cause it's just like dads are dads. But anyway, um, yeah. Fifth grade, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird times. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I, that it brings up an interesting point. If I had more male teachers at a younger age, like would, I don't know, more, positive masculine figures in my life at a younger age like how would that have changed things yeah. you know because um, by high school it was too late by high school I was just keeping my head down and trying to sure. get through it you know mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that but high school was already such a toxic environment that like the male teachers didn't improve that in any way they didn't you know they, if anything they helped contribute to it in some ways you know yeah so so god bless Prince August. Ugh. He really is a wonderful character in this movie. He is. And 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 certainly uh you know, in, in a movie full of so many incredible women. I uh I loved him. And and I loved Melvin. I there is a beautiful moment because they do refer to Melvin as Nettie earlier in the movie, and then towards the end, Melvin comes to the barn and Judith Ivy says, like, are the children all you know, washed and ready and Melvin nods and, and Judith, you know, Agatha says, thank you, Melvin. And, you know, Melvin has this kind of like emotional moment and finally speaks and says, thank you for calling me by my name, yes. you know, and it's, and, and, and there was so much there. I mean, again, those like modern touches of like a woman, like, uh, you know, Agatha, uh, or however I'm supposed to pronounce it, a woman like Judith Ivy's character kind of making that, having that acknowledgement that, and, and, and that kind of recognition, I, it, it added a whole other layer to this that I wanted to know about is like, what happens to someone like Melvin in a community like this? You know, yeah. like our understanding is that he is in some ways, it's like he and August are very similar in that like they are, they're almost in traditional women's roles in terms of taking care of the children, but they're men in the community. Yeah. There's some layers Which, there, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I. This is an absolute rewatch. I mean, even pulling the clips again, I was like, oh god, I could just turn this movie on and watch the whole thing. This is just so I, I get sucked right back in. Yeah, there's so much to munch on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a great movie. I, I'm so happy we finally talked about it. I'm so happy we got to talk about Sheila McCarthy a third time. I don't know if she'll come up on this podcast again. I was scrolling through imdb you know filmography and i was like i don't know if any of these movies will be on our radar but she in all three things we've talked about her in it she has shined yeah i mean i want that i would just want a still of sarah polly winning the oscar and like claire foy and jesse buckley and then sheila like on the end they're like it's like it's like a hug line they're all like leaning Mm -hmm. on each other it's so fun 
Well, and, and you know, I, I thought about that watching this is like, God, this was such a filming. This had to be such a communal experience. Like this is, I mean, and all of them handling like such sort of heavy material and, and being in so many scenes together. And the fact that Sarah Polly wrote and was directing it, it just, it, what was the what were, we were talking about? Some movie of like, oh, I just want to see like what was the house like where all the cast lived together. Oh, you know, like yeah. th- this is like I want to see what this cast was like. You know, off screen. How did they like? How did what was their like dinner time like? Yeah, know? are they going to Applebee's down the street? You know, right? Half price right. apps. <laughs> yeah, like you know, what was the? How did they kind of shake off a day? Like when when Claire Foy had to give that big monologue. Like how were they like? All right, let's uh, let's all go into town. Let's get some ribs. Let's, let's yeah. have a drink. I feel know? like too, like with those t- with these types of movies, not every type, but like as soon as you know that they they do laugh through it, they laugh a lot to kind of balance that out because they have to give so much of it on screen too. At least that's my hope. I feel like they had a great time. Yeah, and, and I also I do think it was it was baked into the movie because there is that that laughing moment we talked about earlier, and then there's that scene later, um, after Greta is talking about I guess she's talking she has her speech about you know with Ruth and Cheryl and how it would be kind of precarious you know riding with them and and they the the buggy would kind of sway from side to side and the horses would just kind of be like a little tense and and she talks about how but when she looked further down the road and she looked at further down where she was going she was able to stabilize herself and yes. kind of you know and that was kind of you know we just need to look further down the road and then she finishes that speech and then she says i think i'm dying and then like i know uh, her daughter like you know takes her like she says no your glasses just need to be cleaned. And then they all start laughing. And I just, I, I thought it was really interesting the way that Sarah Polly works in these kind of moments of levity that certainly felt intentional, but also felt like such a smart choice. It's so, that was my second line, my, my runner up line, because she says, I'm sorry, but I think I might be dying. She apologizes yeah. for dying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think I might be dying. dying. I, uh, I, it's so good. <laughs> Oh my god. This this movie is just so good. It's so I I'm so happy. I'm so happy we finally got on the books and I'm sorry we couldn't do True Lies, but if we couldn't do True Lies, I think this was a worthy, you know, a lovely alternate. Absolutely. Yes. I'm so glad. Yeah. Well, we have just been two men talking and now we are two men being played off. Uh, How do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> Get the buggy. Where's Ruth and Cheryl? <laughs> yeah, get Ruth and Cheryl. I gotta yeah. get out of here. Two pre-owned uh, <laughs> Ruth and Cheryls. <laughs> Two pre-owned. Least Ruth. You have Ruth. I have Cheryl. Yes, yes, that sounds good. Um, so, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. I actually released an episode last week. I'm trying to do my best, and whether that's every week or you know whenever I feel like it. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Chanoff. How about you? Well, you can find more of me still on All Right Mary, where we are we're coming down the home stretch of season 15 of RuPaul's Drag Race. And you can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can find more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can email us at thebsapod at gmail.com. And uh, keep your peepers peeled because the best supporting after show is being recorded right after this. So that means it'll be in your feeds very shortly. Uh, And that is where we will continue the conversation where we'll be talking about a a whole 
boatload of things that uh, are not anything to do with women talking, but are, are, I don't know what I'm saying. Just join us on patreon.com slash bsapod. Colin, stop talking. You know the rest. <laughs> you know the rest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that, as they say, is that.